Father, even as we've just meditated on in the songs that we have sing, sung, oh, the mighty span, gulf that you did span, the mercy and the grace of God alone. Praise you this evening for your mercy and for your grace that reached across that gulf, that reached out to us sinners, unclean, unworthy, and yet you loved us. And because you loved us, you sent your only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him might not perish, but have everlasting life. Praise you this evening for what you've done for us in Christ. We praise you for the cross, for our hope. And even as we'll see this evening uh, in Psalm 17, the hope that is ours not just in life but in death because of him. We pray that you'd be honored in this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 17. Psalm 17. You may notice as you get to Psalm 17 that it's, it's labeled, but instead of a psalm of David, you'll notice it says a prayer of David. It's one of the few psalms in the Psalter that, that are listed as a prayer of David. In fact, as we work our way through this psalm, you'll notice that as many as 17 requests are in this psalm. This is a, a look into the intimate prayer of a man to his God. It's a prayer for protection. Psalm 17 says this. Hear a just cause, O Lord. Attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer, which is not from deceitful lips. Let my vindication come from your presence. Let your eyes look on the things that are upright. You've tested my heart. You visited me in the night. You've tried me and have found nothing. I've purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Concerning the works of men, by the word of your lips, I have kept away from the paths of the destroyer. Uphold my steps in your paths, and my footsteps may not slip. I have called upon you, for you will hear me, O God. Incline your ear to me and hear my speech. Show your marvelous loving kindness by your right hand. O you who save those who trust in you from those who rise up against them. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. From the wicked who oppress me, from my dead, deadly enemies who surround me. They've closed up their fat hearts. With their mouths they speak proudly. They have now surrounded us in our steps. They've set their eyes, crouching down to the earth as a lion is eager to tear his prey, like a young lion lurking in secret places. Arise, O Lord, confront him, cast him down. Deliver my life from the wicked with your sword, with your hand from men, O Lord, from men of the world who have their portion in this life and whose belly you fill with your hidden treasure. They, have they are satisfied with children and leave the rest of their possessions for their babes. As for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. A 
Like many of the Psalms, this is a prayer of David in a difficult time. It's a prayer for deliverance. He has enemies who are chasing him. In fact, later on in the psalm, at the, at the end of verse 12, that puts it in the, in the language of a lion that is crouching there. They, they are ready to devour at any moment. And here stands David. And he's crying out to his God in this time. As you work your way through this psalm, you'll notice it starts out with a request to hear me, and then save me, and then satisfy me. And as we get to the end, you'll notice that that last phrase, satisfy me, is less a request and more a declaration. You will satisfy me. You will hear my prayer. It starts out in verse 1 with this request, hear me. Hear a just cause, O Lord. David is here appealing to God's justice. You're a just God and I'm bringing a just cause. Hear me. Attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer, which is not from deceitful lips. This is not a claim to, to sinlessness. David is not saying, because I, who am not deceitful, who am perfect, am praying to you, therefore hear me. That's not what's going on here. Rather, these prayers, this, this request for God to hear him comes from a man who has already humbled himself, who has already confessed his sin to the God who forgives sin. And so he's coming to God now with a pure heart, a heart that has been forgiven. Hear me. Let my vindication You're ruling in my favor. You're stepping in in my favor. Let it come from your presence. You see David's reliance on the Lord's justice. David's not seeking his vindication himself. He's not saying, give me strength to go out and get my own vindication. Let my vindication come from your presence. My reliance is on you I'm in a situation, I am overwhelmed, I have enemies who are ready to attack me, and yet he's calling on the Lord to defend him. His reliance is on the Lord and on him alone. Hear me, Lord. Fight for me. Let your eyes look on the things that are upright. You've tested my heart. You visited me in the night. You have tried me and have found nothing. Those three words there, tested, visited, tried. There is no unconfessed sin left in him. There is no reason for God not to hear him. There is nothing standing between David and his Lord at this time. You have tested my heart. You know my heart. You've seen my heart, my inmost being. You visited me in the night, in secret. Not just to confess my public sins, even the things that are done in secret, in the night. You have tried me, you have tested me, you have found nothing. I've purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. Concerning the works of men, by the word of your lips, I have kept away from the paths of the destroyer. 
verses 3 and 4, at first read-through, are the kind of verses that make you a little bit uncomfortable. At least they make me a little bit uncomfortable. Because at first read-through, it seems like David is appealing to his righteousness. At first read-through, it sounds like David is saying, God, hear me because I am righteous. Hear me because of who I am. Hear me because I deserve for you to hear me. I think when you look at it in the larger context of the psalm, you see that's not at all what David is doing. David is not appealing to his own righteousness. That is not the foundation on which he should stand. He's appealing to God's mercy. He's appealing to God's faithfulness. Rather than the reason that God should respond to David, David's pure heart, his righteousness, the, the fact that, he has taken, that, that his sin has been forgiven, he's already brought that to God, rather than being the reason God should listen, it's simply not a hindrance to God listening. My sin is not in the way. There is nothing between me and you. I have done what you have required. Therefore, hear me. In fact, you see that in verse 5. As he then turns, we see that he's not looking to his righteousness at all. He's looking to Christ, to God. Look what he says in verse 5. Uphold my steps in your paths that my footsteps may not slip. He mentions his righteousness, but then he goes right back to God. You are the one who keeps me. You are the one who keeps my footsteps from slipping. We saw that in verse 2. You are my vindication. You defend me. So I think what we see here is not David putting his hope in his righteousness. It's David simply as a broken man coming to God and saying, I don't know what else I can do. I've made my sacrifices. I've, I've confessed my sins. There's nothing between us. Hear me, Lord. I've called upon you. For you will hear me, O God. Incline your ears to me and hear my speech. You will hear me. Not because of who I am, not because of my righteousness, because of who you are. Because of who you are. And we see that in verses 7 to 14. Hear me and then save me. Notice here in verses 7 and 8, he appeals then to God's character. You will hear me, verse 6, verse 7, show your marvelous loving kindness by your right hand. O oh, you who save those who trust in you from those who rise up against them, keep me as the apple of your eye. Hold me under the shadow of your wings. He's appealing to the character of God. You are the God who is marvelously loving, loving who has marvelous loving kindness. You're the God who saves those who trust in you. That's good news. That is great news. You're the God who saves those who trust in you. Therefore, keep me as the apple of your eye. The apple of your eye is the idea of the, the pupil, of the human eye. Something that is very delicate and yet very important. Right? In, battle, in, in, in battle, your pupil is one of the things that you try to defend. If that little thing gets hurt, you can't see. You're in trouble. So he's saying, keep me as the apple of your, of your eye, as a soldier tries to defend and protect his eyes. 
So keep me. So protect me. So cover me. Hide me under the shadow of your wings, a place of refuge, of security. As a mother hides her, her hands under her wings, protecting them. David's hope is in the Lord. His enemies are all around him and they're about to attack and yet he is turning to his God who is marvelous in his loving kindness, who who loves to save those who trust in him. That's his hope. Verse 9 to 12, we see what he needs saving from. Hide me under the shadow of your wings from the wicked who oppress me, from the deadly enemies who surround me. Are wicked, they're deadly, they're powerful. They've closed up their fat hearts, their, their, their clothes, their stubborn hearts. With their mouths they speak proudly. They show no mercy or no pity. They've now surrounded us in our steps. They've set their eyes crouching down to the earth. The lion is eager to tear his prey and like a young lion lurking in secret places. You can almost feel the feeling that David is feeling here. As his enemies are closing in, they're ready to pounce. They can can smell the blood. They're lurking. And David turns in verse 13 and says, Arise, O Lord. According to your character, your mercy, hear me, intervene, arise. Confront him. Cast him down. Deliver my life from the wicked with your sword. With your hand from men, O Lord. From men of the world who have their portion in this life. Whose belly you fill with your hidden treasures. They're satisfied with children and leave the rest of their possessions for their babes. Save me. Hear me. What's interesting as we come to the end, verse 14 and 15, is that despite his situation, David keeps the right perspective. His perspective is right. Throughout this entire situation, as he's feeling closed in on, he's kept an eternal perspective. It comes to this realization, verse 14, they have their reward. Their reward is here, it's now, it's in this life. My reward is coming. He keeps that eternal perspective, even in the, the darkness that he is going through. Even in the chaos of this situation, he keeps the right perspective. Regardless of what happens, they have their reward. And I will have my reward. And so we see in verse 15 then, satisfy me. And as I mentioned before, it's more of a declaration than a request. As for me, I will, I will. This is a sure thing. I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. This harkens back to chapter 16. If you remember in chapter 16, he says, You will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. 
In both chapters 16 and 17, David has this eternal perspective. He's looking forward to the promises that God has given him. If you will do what you said that you will do, I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied. I will be satisfied. Not just, just satisfied in a, in a pleasure sense, but I'll be satisfied justice-wise. Justice will be done. These enemies who are creeping up on me, even if they get me, they will not escape the justice of God. Justice will be satisfied. For you are a just God. Thou will awake in your likeness. David's request for vindication in chapter 2 will be answered. Whether in this life or the next, it will be answered. As we come to the end of chapter 17, notice this. Notice that David has grounded his prayer in who God is. David's hope throughout this entire prayer is who God is. Vindicate me with your presence. Your marvelous loving kindness. Oh, you who save those who trust in you. He's the God of loving kindness. He's the God who saves those who trust in him. He's the God who upholds and sustains his own. We even see at the beginning of, of this chapter, in the first few verses, he's the God who forgives. That's, that's David's whole point. As he comes to God, I've been forgiven. You've forgiven me of these sins. They're, they're not between us. There's nothing between us at the moment. He's a forgiving God. He's a God of loving kindness. He's a, he's a God who saves. He's a God who upholds and sustains his own. And he's a God who one day I will see your face in righteousness. One day I will be satisfied when I awake in your likeness. I love, I love studying the Psalms because as you, as you work your way through the Psalms, you can just feel the emotion that David is pouring into these as he's writing them. It's not dry. This is not some distant thing that David is talking about. It's something he's going through right now. And for many of us, we're going through situations right now. And if we were as eloquent as David, we might sit down and write something that sounded like this, if God blessed us in that way. Let us remember that like David, our hope is not in our righteousness. Our hope is not in ourselves. Our hope is in our God. He is still the God of loving kindness, of marvelous loving kindness. He's still the God who saves those who trust in him. He's still the God who upholds and sustains his own. His promises are still true today. Another thing that we see from this psalm is we praise the Lord for Christ, for our advocate. 
Praise the Lord that we always have access to the throne of grace in Christ. We can praise the Lord that, that like David, we can say in verse 6, I've called upon you for you will hear me, O God. Because we know God will hear us. Because we have a perfect advocate in Christ who is pleading for us before the throne. Because in his blood, we have access to the throne of grace. To cry, Abba, Father. God will hear you, not because of you, but for Christ. And like David, we have the hope that for those who are in Christ, we will be satisfied when we awake in your likeness. And we look forward to that day, and we long for that day.